0: Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman.
1: And Chef Cindy Wolf.
0: And today we're in midsummer and there is a mountain of beautiful produce that comes from our part of the country. And it's all coming in the back door and we're dealing with it. And so, Cindy, I thought we'd spend a little bit of time just kind of going through that checklist of, we just got cucumbers, we just got flagellate beans, <laughs> we just got this kind of tomato or the other, and what in the world do we do with eggplant anyway? Exactly. Um, and and let's, let's just go through that list of, of favorites, whether it's things that you love or don't love, and how to deal with them, because it's a, it's a marvelous time of the year.
1: That's it. For a chef, this is the best time of the year. Anyone that likes to cook, it's just so exciting to have all this wonderful uh produce and and um, you know, fruits and vegetables. Things right out of the ground or off the plant are just so amazing. I mean, I roasted eggplant last night and I mean, I can't believe how delicious it was. It it was, you know, came in yesterday morning. I roasted it in the afternoon and it was some of the most delicious eggplant I've ever had and all I did was Wash it, cut it in half, uh, rub a nice amount of a very light extra virgin olive oil and a little bit of salt and roasted it in the oven at 350 degrees for, it was about 30 minutes. And um, actually, I'm sorry, my oven was at 300 degrees for about 30 minutes. And, um, you know, it was just, it was such a treat.
0: People get so freaked out by eggplant or the idea of eggplant sometimes. And I, I don't know what they do that, that uh, makes it a struggle. I think sometimes eggplant requires patience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and it requires removing some of that moisture. I think people feel the spongy texture when it's raw and they get weirded out, or if it's been, and it just a a lot of that water isn't gone and it. I don't know. It was... Well,
2: um,
1: and you're right. It, it is a spongy texture because, I mean, I just literally normally would never do this. I literally poured the olive oil over the pieces of eggplant. That's how much it will absorb. And um, normally I would brush something or, you know, not just pour oil over it. And, um, you know, it's, it is it uh, is very... It can be bitter as it ages. I really think that's a product of aging, of an old eggplant. Um, you know, when they're, when they're fresh like this, they're, they're inherently sweet.
0: I don't know if they're sweet, but they're definitely less bitter. You can tell an eggplant, you go into the market, you see, you see eggplants that have brown tops, brown stems. You don't want those. Right. You want the ones that have, uh, like the pale green Mm -hmm. stems with almost a little bit of spiny stuff on it. Right. You know, almost like little, the tiniest of thorns. Right, and those are the ones that you want. Those are the ones that are really super springy, and yes, they do have water content, and you have to get rid of some of that water content, and and basically replace that with good olive oil, mm-hmm. you know, and or uh, whatever seasoning you're using. But that's, I don't know. I mean, just slices that. Uh, the best thing for beginners is what you were talking about, which is just to roast it and then you just scoop out everything it's like soft and tender once the eggplant collapses you know you you, you put the the exterior uh, up and the, the the halved eggplant down on right. the sheet pan or however you're roasting it
2: right the interior and,
1: down
0: yeah and, and then you just scoop out the interior when it's done roasting mm-hmm. and you can cook that a little bit further but that simple eggplant caviar recipe from uh, Robuchon that you often used over the years, mm-hmm. I think, is a really brilliant one. Do you want to talk sure. about that? Because So that's a that's a great beginner thing. You can grill anything, and and serve it with that eggplant caviar and be very happy about it.
1: Mm-hmm. So you roast them just the way that I said, and uh, then when that you you flip them over when they come out of the oven, so they can begin to cool down, uh, because you do want to start to pull it out, uh, you know, relatively soon. Uh, the meat out. And you do want to avoid the seeds um, as much as you can. You don't have to drive yourself crazy over it, but they, they're they sort of in pockets, the seeds. So you can kind of scoop that out and discard the seed. Um, and then you have the beautiful meat or the flesh of the, of the vegetable. And also when I roasted those yesterday, they had a high water content and I literally just drained that off. I mean, that's all, you know, when, as I was pulling the meat out, I was just draining them and, um, and you know, you're certainly, you can have some of that liquid. It's not like there's anything really wrong with it. It's just, you know, just, just discard some of it. And then I do a, a nice small dice of onion and saute that in butter. So let's say you're doing, you know, uh, four eggplants and you end up with about two cups of, well, you'll probably end up with about four. It depends on how big they are. Let's say you end up with four cups of, of, uh, product. And I would do one small onion for that and um, cut it in small dice, saute it in butter until it's tender, and then add the eggplant uh, to that pot and start kind of beating it up in there. Um, Rather than pureeing it in a food processor, you're just going to kind of break up the eggplant in the pot over the heat with the butter and the um, onion, add salt and pepper, and then... Uh, you, we add a little bit of fresh lemon juice and we add a little bit of butter poached chopped garlic. Um, if you butter poach garlic, it's a gentle way of cooking it and it will be the best it can be. Uh, and then finally, chop it, as I said. Add that near the end and then you can take it off the heat, let it cool down a little bit, and add a couple tablespoons of mayonnaise and um, kind of beat that into it as well. And that is, it's really delicious.
0: Yeah, that's, like I said, that's just a great foil. Mm-hmm. for other things it could be i mean his dish has grilled slices of porcini mushroom
1: i love that uh, dish so much it's so it. pretty yeah but and i mean
0: i i always think of uh like just grilling a lamb steak you know and slices of lamb steak with that in the background mm-hmm. or it what you can't do is something very mild it's not like oh i can grill a chicken breast and it's gonna it's not gonna stand up to the flavor the flavor has good intensity
1: well, actually, tonight we will be serving our lamb loin. So we're serving lamb loin um, with the eggplant caviar. And we're also going to do fried eggplant slices so that we have both the crispy and the creamy of the eggplant. It's just and, you know, with the uh, fried, you can always add some dried herbs to it if you like. But we do a very simple breading procedure, which is traditional, which is uh, flour, egg wash and um fine breadcrumb and a little bit of salt and pepper in everything. I put a little salt and pepper in the flour, a little bit in the egg wash, a little bit in with the breadcrumb because it tends to sort of fall by the wayside a little bit anyway. So you might as well hit it in all three steps and um, and don't overbread it, you know, and don't make it too thick of a slice. But gosh, I just love fried eggplant. It's so nice to have that crispy exterior. And again, that sort of almost creamy feeling interior uh, of really nice fresh eggplant. And then we're also going to serve that with chanterelle mushrooms. And I roast the chanterelles in the oven with butter, a little bit of fresh rosemary and salt and pepper. Until they lose their water content and begin to caramelize, and then when we go to serve the dish, we just sauté them in the pan uh, again to re-caramelize them, and um, that with a little bit of lamb uh, reduction is is just going to be great. Or if you you know you don't always have stock or something to make a reduction sauce with at home, you know some sort of light vinaigrette, even if it was uh, you know again a tiny bit of rosemary with maybe some fresh lemon juice and a good extra virgin olive oil um, and a little bit of shallot, uh, just a, a wonderful little vinaigrette vinaigrette um, or you could do red wine vinegar, Dijon and shallot and, uh, you know, the traditional uh, vinaigrette with with a neutral oil and just drape that on the plate. And that would be great with everything on the plate. So the other thing I like to put with that um, is, is a garlic flan. Um, so we could talk about that too.
0: Well, garlic flan with eggplant caviar on the same plate?
1: I think it would be so deli- You know, they're tender. They're both sort of tender, creamy. So it doesn't have to. But oh my gosh, if you have a bite of that eggplant caviar and the garlic flan together, and then get a little bite of the crispy eggplant, uh huh. There's nothing wrong with that, Tony.
0: Um, um, yeah, that's <laughs> what you can't see in the radio is me like very slowly shaking my head back and forth. i like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got two different egg Are dishes, you me, of man- Tony. I, yeah. On There's only one, a
1: little on bit on of mayonnaise one. in there.
2: All
0: right. If you're going to make it, I'll have to taste it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's funny. The other the other uh, vegetable in the summer that always gets sort of, I don't know, besmirched or like zucchini and various types of summer squashes are abundant as abundant as can be, and they're not a big piece of money, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always the kind of thing that not everybody, but a lot of people also are like, ah. Ah, uh, zucchini, I don't love that. I don't like that. That, that. That's even easier to deal with an eggplant to get good flavor out of. And someone, some bad person at school, told my first grader how much they did not like zucchini. <laughs> and so during the year, she all of a sudden went from loving it to really disliking zucchini. So I've discovered the best way to sneak it in on her so that, to, to bring her back around. All you have to do is cut it the same size as corn. You know, the corn coming this time of the year is so good.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. If you're roasting that corn slowly in a pan and and add some of the nice white onions that are coming up out of the ground right now and finely diced, corn kernel size uh, pieces of, of zucchini, nice, fresh. When you can see the juice coming out of the zucchini, then you know it's just out of the ground. And that mixed there's almost no color differentiation and you have the one that's sweet the one that's very slightly bitter and the onions are sweet and uh and little kids un- unbeknownst to them are about to eat a mountain of a healthy vegetable along with the corn
1: that sounds good
0: Simpl- i mean simple and kind of dumb but, but i do uh, something
1: like that and put
0: but i'm a sneaky dad
1: Yep, we can we put lima beans in there or little butter beans in there and and I used to put a small dice of cucumber in too and we called that succotash. So that's that's another fun thing to make with a little bit of extra butter in and salt and pepper. It's a nice way to eat all those vegetables is sort of for things that kind of come around at the same time.
0: I usually because I've been trying to teach her to cut things, I'll take wax beans and have her You know, cut the tops off and then cut them into segments of a certain size to kind of practice and throw those guys in there as well. So instead of a different kind of bean, obviously, not as starchy as a a lima bean or a butter bean, which are not quite in season yet anyway. You know, what's coming is are coming now. All of those, all of those beans that are not green beans, not wax beans, all those guys are just starting to come in this next week.
1: I think that's just another example of how when something is fresh, it can be incredible because we did just get green beans in. And, you know, you just don't think of that as like, you know, it's not exotic. It's not, you know, something we've all been eating probably since we were little. And I mean, we made some actually for employee meal yesterday and uh, my sous chef just, you know, blanched them, cut them into little pieces, actually, as you were just saying for the uh, zucchini and he made a little, he made sort of a puff pastry, he covered a pan of vegetables with puff pastry and baked it in the oven, and um, which had corn in it. And uh, was, you know, the, I tasted the green beans as I was walking through just to see how they were. And I mean, they were just so vibrant, you know, first of all, they're so healthy, you know, you've got, you know, they're bright green, if you cook them correctly, well, especially when they're that tiny, it's really easy to blanch something correctly and, you know, a, uh, a, uh, pot of boiling heavily boiling salted water when it's so tiny um it's going to cook so fast and they were just delicious he had the right amount of salt in that water and they you know they had nothing on them they were just blanched green beans and they were delicious so yeah there's there's this really is the time of year i mean we have a whole bounty of wonderful things uh to cook with right now and i mean you know if even if you're not a vegetarian I mean, it would be so easy to make dinner with just a whole bunch of really good, healthy vegetables, and you would be so happy because everything tastes so great.
0: There's so many things to play with. We have to organize ourselves a little bit. So we're going to have to get to cucumbers because now is the time for spectacular cucumbers and how you like to use them. Okay. And I know you love them. We're going to have to deal with edible flowers and some of the herbs that come in the midsummer. Uh, like sorrel or uh, or arugula that you that are not the same any other time of the year, and I really want to get to beans, like all of those beans that begin with the flagellate and go into cranberries and runner beans and lima beans and butter beans and speckled butter beans and black beans and all of that stuff that's about to come. Um, and then we have not said anything about tomatoes yet. Well, we need to when we come back. Exactly. When we come back, we'll have to work on all of this stuff. So I hope you're ready. I'm excited. You sound excited. (laughs) (laughs) On formidable, Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. We'll be right back. welcome back to Foreman wolf on food and wine i'm tony foreman
1: and chef cindy wolf and i am excited now tony i just want you to know okay you you sounded i am so excited because i i love i was just listening to you you know maybe you were bringing me down tony that might be what it was Uh uh-huh so let's uh, let's get get back on track so what do you want to talk
0: about cucumbers we're, we're talking about Oh, come on, we just did our list. We just did our list. So, yes, cucumbers, but we, we st- I wanted to get in the beans. <laughs> and we were thinking about, talking about, um, right before the segment, about doing a meal that was really about just the produce. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me yep. of those bean cakes that you've made in the past. Ooh, Like the black bean cakes, rattlesnake right. bean cakes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, that um, lime is do the same kind of thing. If you wanted to have a vegetarian meal, just based on summer produce, I would think that that would be a really good like center plate, protein-driven kind of thing, maybe a couple of little bean cakes. Mm-hmm. So uh, how, would, how did you make those guys?
1: Well, let's just use black beans, because they're, they will be coming in, and you can also buy them dried. So basically, cook your black beans in, if you, if you eat pork, cook it in water, chicken stock, Tabasco uh, and um, a little bit of onion product in there, and a good piece of smoked pork.
0: Let me stop you one second mm-hmm. and let you know one of the reasons that I have affection for you is because when I say let's do a vegetarian meal, I, I you, say you begin talking with about a piece pork. of smoked pork. Yeah. Well, you know I am so from please, the south, please, so I can't please, really help it. Please, please go forward. <laughs> I said the
1: yep, and so I said water. <laughs> Then I said chicken stock. Then I said bacon. So you can just cook them in water um, with salt and pepper. And you could add cayenne to that. You could add Tabasco to that. You could add a little bit of fresh rosemary to that for black beans. You could add curry. You could add chili powder. Lots of different ways to cook beans without pork product. So let's just say we're going to do it that way since uh, Tony wants to do it that way. So let's do water, Tabasco, um, and uh, a little bit of chili powder. And cook your beans until they're tender. And half of them, you're going to puree in a food processor. You're just going to break. You can mash them with a fork too, if you don't feel like getting out the food processor, which I almost never do. Um, It's a heavy piece of equipment. We happen to keep it. It's a big piece of equipment. We happen to keep it up on a top shelf because we just don't have a lot of places to keep pieces of equipment like that in my kitchen. Um, So I know I have to pull that thing down from over my head. Um, Hopefully, at home you have it in some place a lot more accessible, but. Half of the beans get mashed in the food processor or b- mashed with a fork. The other half leave whole. And I mix that, mix the two together. Um, I add a little bit of liquid from the cooking liquid, so don't discard it all. It, you need a little bit of moisture in there. It'll only be a couple tablespoons if you're, say, say you're making six black bean cakes. Uh, I do very finely chopped green onion. I think it's important to have something like green onion in them, uh, fresh at the end of making the little cakes, Um, a tiny bit of panko to hold everything together, to help to hold it together, but very little. And um, I would definitely add a little bit more Tabasco to the mixture, season it with salt and pepper, uh, and it can be as simple as that. And that is how I make mine. Um, and then form them into cakes and you want to lightly brown them in a neutral oil like corn oil or canola in a saute pan, and then flip them over, put them in the oven and heat them through. It usually takes about six minutes to heat them through if they're a good size cake. And that is fantastic with Colombian nahi or Argentine chimichurri, uh, something like that, uh, especially... Especially good with tomatoes and fresh herbs and olive oil, a little bit of shallot, a little bit of garlic, some sort of mixture like that. And then you can add all kinds of other things to that plate. You could have corn on the plate you could, or have corn on the cob and eat it with that. You could um, have more heirloom tomatoes sliced all around that plate um, or ch- little cherry tomatoes uh, and maybe keep the, the tomato out of your chimichurri and just do an herb-based chimichurri. Um, You could have fried green tomatoes on that plate. You could have grilled strips of zucchini. Um, I mean, there are like a million things you could put. You could have eggplant on that plate. Uh, You could grill eggplant. You could fry eggplant and put it on top. That might be a little rich, but, um, you know, there's just a million things you could put on the plate with that, with any kind of a bean cake. The only thing I would tell you is that if you do move from something like a dried bean or even a... a dried bean to a fresh bean, like a lima, um, you're going to have more moisture in there. So you probably won't need the liquid or if you do, you won't need very much. And, um, you're probably going to have to break up all the lima beans if you want to make a lima bean cake. But you know, that's the only difference I would say with moving from a, a black bean to maybe a, a lima or a butter bean with that recipe.
0: Well, you know, my, my love of beans is honest <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and, whether it's that or any number of different kinds of uh, uh, perlo or habanjan. Oh, Hop and John is, is a kind of perlo. Mm-hmm. But any of those rice and beans dishes, uh, That that's sometimes for, for hot things. I mean, I, all I want is something like that this time of the year. Uh, some kind of, uh, you know, salad with tomatoes. I think, and, and heirloom tomatoes are... Tons and tons around, obviously, uh, this time of the year. I love, uh, I think I made this for you the first time, gosh, what, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, uh, an heirloom tomato and watermelon salad with uh, a little feta and mint and basil. Mm,
1: Yes. Yeah, delicious.
0: And uh, I know you looked at me really funny when I put them together.
1: (laughs) Back then, and it was more than that. It was probably like twelve or thirteen years ago, and yeah, definitely, I probably would have. But so good, absolutely delicious.
0: It just—it always seemed to me that the that that strong—you have a strong personality, so I thought those would balance. There is the inherent sweetness in the watermelon, and there is the good acid in the tomato, right? And and they play off of each other, you know, they're like so two good. very two very different kinds of midsummer candy. <laughs> and there's so many different kinds of heirlooms to play with you mm-hmm. know that usually a good guideline if you want lower acid tomatoes uh paler so more yellow uh orange and once you run into like the pinks and the reds and even some of the 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 darker ones the uh the crims or um you know purple cherokees things like that mm-hmm. th- those have the highest acid levels you want you Think about what you want from those guys, and with watermelons, it's it's kind of the same thing. The de- but the deeper the color, the sweeter they are. So the the ruby reds that have that you know that almost comic, uh, incredibly deep pink color, those guys are the sweetest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But they ha- they have some acid to them. The orange ones I think are kind of a secret one. They're a little bit perfumey, like the yellows, mm-hmm. uh, but but they're not. Quite as perfumey as the yellows, but they're, they're definitely sweeter than those. And the yellows, I mean, I, I like to mix the watermelons in the salad too, so that yeah, you have fine. so many different kinds of bites. Oh, and it's but so it's, pretty too. It, it doesn't really require any acid.
1: No. Oh, no. You know, definitely that's,
0: not. It's literally just lay these things out. You
1: mm-hmm. know,
0: it's a composed salad. You, you lay the pieces out. Maybe there are four different kinds of heirlooms you have, and four different kinds, of, or, you know, two or three different kinds of watermelon that you have. Lay them all out and dress them with extra virgin, uh, very small amount of salt on both. Uh, I like feta, but you can use chev, you can use mm-hmm. uh, several different. I, I would use it's some kind of a fresh cheese or relatively fresh cheese. You don't want Parmigiano or something like that.
1: No, right, exactly.
0: And then it's nice to have an herb to set it off. And I like both basil and mint together. And if you cut them together, the oils run together and they have a very different, they, they, they anise of the basil comes out uh str- stronger with the mints. yeah the right. basil
1: right now is just so flavorful and so beautiful oh it's just well it's been it's going to be very hot for the next few days too so we'll see what happens to things like that but so i made a salad last night that had um, watermelon in it and i did I have, you know, we've talked about it before. I have all these Parisian scoops or melon ballers that are different sizes that I collect when I go to France. And so I use four different sizes, a pretty good size one and down to really tiny. And I did that with the watermelon that we had that was local. We had cantaloupe that was local. And I put all those sort of alternating on the plate. Uh, We had nectarines and did slices of those. I saw
0: your Instagram photo. That was really beautiful
1: Oh, my gosh. It was so just bright and pretty and delicious and wonderful and light. Um, so the slices of nectarine, and then I had white figs, which of course were not local. Um, that's the only thing that wasn't local on the plate. And the white figs I quartered and laid on top of the nectarine. So they were kind of forced to eat the nectarine and the fig together. And then all the, because when you pre scoop something, you're going to lose a lot of fruit. I puréed all the watermelon and put and strained it, which I don't normally do, and then I puréed all the cantaloupe and strained that. So I did a little shot glass of the cantaloupe purée and I used the watermelon purée to, you know, sort of make everything moist in the bottom of the plate. And I also added uh, a little bit of champagne vinegar with a little bit of finely chopped ginger, and that just Opened up the whole plate, and I had fresh chervil on there, which you know is a little.
0: The, the ginger makes me excited.
1: Yeah, I know you love ginger.
0: Well, I because but... I, I, it has, it it like activates other flavors. You know, yeah, it's it's for sure. it's a it's a very different kind of little energizer.
1: Yes, and it really set off the whole dish. And I had considered, and that's all, and that's what was on there. And I had considered because you have what you were just talking about as well. I had considered putting some of the heirloom tomato on there, and I just you know, I saw the plate, I plated it, I liked it. And I'm like, you know what, it doesn't need it. But you could, if you want to make it at home, you could add some really ripe, gorgeous uh, tomatoes like you were just talking about. So I would not add cheese to this. But yeah, I mean, that salad that you made was delicious. And I love that. And then this is yet another version of kind of using, you know, other products like that that are coming in right now. Mm. It would be fun to have the yellow watermelon and the you know, the different types of watermelon on that you were talking about as well. I just, it was just such a joy to work with all that fruit and to see all those pretty colors and, you know, to utilize it all, not waste anything, you know, because that's what we always strive for in the kitchen. You know, if you're taught back in the old days, you were always taught to never waste a thing. And that's how you run an effective kitchen, an effective business. And you have to be, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for young chefs is, is learning how to utilize everything. How, what, what do I do? How can I use these scraps of Buffalo tenderloin or, you know, whatever it is you're working with? I mean, we always have trim and you have to, and whether it's fruit and vegetable trim or meat or seafood trim, there are a lot of different ways to utilize it. Another topic of discussion.
0: That's, that's a whole nother program. Right. That would be a good program. Utilizing the bits and pieces.
1: Right. Let's do that. (laughs) Um,
0: well, we're talking about two quick things, just what you were talking about made me think of. One, uh, nectarines. In the world of different fruits that you can put with uh, prosciutto to parma and, and that sort of thing, people love to have the prosciutto with melon or prosciutto with uh, you know, other kinds of fruit. Right. Top of the pyramid for me, prosciutto and nectarines yeah oh, because nectarines have a little they're very sweet but they have a little more acid they have a little better balance, and the saltiness of the ham likes that acid they actually it's it's like if you have if you have pretty salty food, it's very hard to have wine that doesn't have a pretty good acid level you know so they 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 stand up against each other okay and that's uh and and I think nectarines are the top of the pyramid for that
1: I think that's my favorite stone fruit quite frankly. I, I love no, peaches. I, I love nectarines. Oh my goodness, I love them.
0: Well, my my kids love nectarines because they're they have less beard than peaches do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's cute.
0: The um, which you know, like having been a kid, I'm like mm, I understand that. Yeah, definitely. Because you have that were moment a, of like Tony.
1: Were you a kid?
0: No, about 140 years no. ago. Yeah,
1: we had a guest last night that was 101. I, I mean, it's just such. An honor to get to serve a guest of that age. I, I, and there haven't been that many people. I've taken a picture with, I think, every single one I've been aware of that has ever come to the restaurant.
0: When, when I'm 101, <laughs> you better be honored if I'm choosing... To get my backside out of the house and yeah, come right? to your cooking.
1: Gosh, right? And when you're what. 101, Tony, I'll be 102. So, you know, it'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but back to local fruit and vegetables.
0: <laughs> yeah. the, the other dish that what you're saying made me think of was uh, I've wanted to to do a, a tuna dish, a raw tuna dish mm-hmm. uh, or a raw fish dish with watermelon. And I was thinking about the plate. I was thinking about the different colors of uh, of watermelon—the the the ruby, the orange, the yellow—and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. laying them out, uh, laying them out like flower petals, like you know, around, 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 right, creating okay. that. And, and maybe maybe the yellow is the center or something, and and the other ones that are out are the outside, and then decorating them almost like with. Uh, Maybe it's like a very spicy tuna tartare or you could do additional like, you know, narrow little petal slices of uh, tuna that's been treated a little bit like ceviche. Uh uh-huh. Maybe you make a little cup in the center with the yellow uh, watermelon and just put some tuna ceviche in there.
1: Yeah. I was thinking because, you know, we do rockfish ceviche and you know, a long time ago we were open for lunch and I had put the rockfish ceviche on with watermelon. And I was thinking about that as we were talking, Um, you know, I would really like to maybe I'll serve it that way tonight where I add this like almost like a bed, like a rectangular piece of watermelon and put the fish on top of that and put the ceviche marinade over it. Although what I used to do was I actually diced the rockfish and added uh, the ceviche marinade to it and um, served it with molded with watermelon on top, diced watermelon on top. But it would be fun to do like a block. Of watermelon and have the, or like you say, with the tuna. Oh, oh my gosh, that would be you, so good. Do
0: you remember the the, the salad at uh, Pazo back in the day of the ruby oh, red watermelon? Yes. Uh, with the chev.
1: Oh, that was so good.
0: Yeah, the, the watermelon was a little bit salted with the chev and the herbs. Yeah. And the, the little micros. Yeah. That mm. was that was great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, uh, we'll continue our. Uh, Midsummer Produce uh, cheerleading roundup <laughs> <laughs> on WIPR. <laughs> Welcome back to Forman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman.
1: And Chef Cindy Wolf.
0: And we're doing our summer veggie explosion roundup. Extravaganza. Exactly.
1: Oh, good <laughs> lord. <laughs> <laughs> What's next on the list, Louis? Uh, Louis. Tony. Oh,
2: <laughs> Please
0: do not call, oh, call me your cat's name.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. You can call me my name. Especially a lot of since names, I feel very differently about name. the two of you. <laughs>
0: I understand. <laughs> well, on, on our checklist, yes. um, cucumbers. I think mm. people are not that imaginative about cucumbers. Mm. You know, what well, do you, the, my what favorite do is
1: the old French standby, which is sliced. You know, people probably aren't super. I mean, I ha, love ha, cucumbers. Ha. <laughs> right. So peel the cucumber, um, don't gouge it, lightly peel it. Uh, and you can slice it on a Asian mandolin, or you can, if you have good knife skills, you can slice them by hand with your knife. Um, but thin slices of cucumber, uh, creme fraiche, chives, salt, and pepper. And quite frankly, that's good enough. That's just like heaven. You could add a regula to that. You could put it on a bed of sliced heirloom tomatoes. You could put it with a chicken breast. You could put it with a piece of fish. Um, but I mean, just, you know, there are like a million things you could Cucumber, okay. We'll, we'll, we do melon balls of the cucumber for the gazpacho. And so all the rest of the cucumber I will see in a bowl uh, with Tabasco and salt. Oh my gosh. I never would have thought of putting Tabasco with cucumber before I started working with these guys. And it's one of my favorite things to eat. I I swear it's like a, it's so good for you. And it it just feels like, especially if you're in a hot kitchen, it just makes you feel better. Um, but that's something ridiculously simple, but you, You know, that's also one of the reasons why I now put Tabasco when I'm in my cucumber soup when I make it. And when I make cucumber soup, again, it's just creme fraiche, a little bit of salt and pepper, cucumber, I make it in a blender. I will add a little bit of light chicken stock to it um, because I like that tone in there. Uh, If you don't want the chicken stock, you don't need it, you can add a little bit of Tabasco to finish, and I wouldn't add much, but uh, just a little tone of it, salt and pepper, and um, chilled cucumber soup can be so great. I also like cucumber with smoked salmon. So I think, you know, oh, that's
0: the, that's the all time easiest little party hors d'oeuvre. Right. You know, to do uh, cucumber, little salt, little crumb, fresh. just, just, you can dollop or brush it mm-hmm. and then just curl a piece of gravlax or smoked mm-hmm. salmon right on that guy. Yummy. You know? Yeah. If you want to be extra fancy, even just like a little, uh, uh, you know, that American sturgeon caviar or. something like that, or even flying fish roe, just a little sprinkle on there. Right. Something Um, that looks extremely fancy.
1: And I think the other thing that's fun is you can also do cucumber carpaccio. So you could do you know, cover a whole plate with it, hit it with a little bit of a light extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper, maybe a little uh, chervil, maybe a little chive, maybe not that, cilantro. And then you can put a million things on top of that, like a great piece of mild fish. Um, and it's just, again, super simple, but delicious. That would be great with a piece of tuna, especially if it's cooked rare. Or, you know, again, you could put raw fish on there. So yeah, cucumbers, love them.
0: Had pinchos in uh, in Spain in Bilbao. Mm. Uh, it's fun, you're saying this just reminds me. So they they had done spicy pickled little uh, Parisian scoops of cucumber, okay, right? just little quick pickles. Uh, two of those guys around uh, a little um, sweet shrimp, just like cooked in a shell, mm. and uh, and then a and a tomato on the spear. Just a little teeny tiny cherry, and that was just like bing 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 bing. It was yeah, perfect, fantastic, amazing. With uh, a glass of Chocolina, which is the hmm. you know slightly spritzy, very low alcohol white. That's uh, that's from that seacoast up in the uh, Basque Hills.
1: What else is on our list, Tony?
0: I wanted to talk about cherry tomatoes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you like to do to cherry so, tomatoes?
0: Everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, we talk about using them for pinchos. Talk about using them. Uh, I mean, th- it's fun. Thank God, my daughters eat them like they're candy, which is great. Mm-hmm. And there's there's such a variety of them. And again, there you have like the yellow pear tomatoes that that mm-hmm. are so you know very sweet, mm-hmm. or the sweet one hundreds that are also very sweet. And then sometimes you have the, the little bit bigger uh, ones you think of as you know as as the ones that you might roast, That's, I mean, this time of the year, we're also, like in, in my house, we're, we're making a roasted tomato sauce. We we'll take a, a, like a giant, you know, copper roasting pan, and after having washed all the tomatoes, roast them whole, uh, very slowly. Salt, a little basil, uh, some garlic. and not—not not, if, if the roasting pan is, I don't know, two-thirds the size of a sheet pan or something like that, a big one, uh, that's usually two flat cherry tomatoes. That's probably half of a clove of garlic. Or half of a head of garlic, I should say. A half of a good-sized white onion. And uh, a little bit of honey. Not much, just a little tiny bit. And like one uh, pretty spicy, whether it's jalapeno or a, a calabrian. Uh, put it in there, and you can just pull it out at the end. You don't want someone to have a surprise. Or have one jar that has a surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like one jar out of 15 is super it's like, Ooh. spicy. Uh-huh. Um, and then they go in the oven. Once they, they get all um, dressed, they go in the oven for usually 14, 15 hours or so at about 180, 190. And, uh, and you really don't disturb them. And they just kind of slowly steam out, reduce. And that... The skins never quite burst; they just kind of melt together,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so you, you, at the in the end, you, you know, you, and then they go into jars, and you preserve them. You follow the, the proper procedure right out of the Ball Canning Book, mm-hmm. and uh, and what's what you end up with is something where the skins are pretty intact, and it's nice to have that option to have that preserved, you, to just have that to toss into a pasta. You know to to have let's say you have fresh tuna uh, that you cut in the cubes and super quick saute and some of that sauce and oh, yeah lots of lots of fresh basil you know and and maybe some to pistachios or something as that tossed with beagley or some other you know good sized pasta with a bite to it No, there's a uh, lot of that things can you be can super duper
1: yeah, that's nice to have in the wintertime to fall back on.
0: So and that's the the big thing for us right now is that, and romas always come right after the cherries, mm-hmm. and romas and 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 linguisas and San Marzanos, they make the best like fresh tomato basil sauce, and that's that's the other big operation, and we have to make, I don't know, a hundred. We usually have to figure we have to make about a hundred jars, of either the roasted or the fresh sauce to get through the winter with two little girls. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> to get us to the next tomato season.
2: There you go.
1: Where are we going locally to get all this wonderful product right now, Tony?
0: I mean, we we go directly to a lot of farmers, but a lot of these farmers go right to markets. Mm-hmm. You know, that that in Baltimore there's the market of 32nd Street on Saturday morning. Sunday morning it's down under the JFX. Uh, But there there are lots of others on other days. There's the Towson Market. Um, There is a a market on Pimlico. Uh, There are lots of other small farmers markets. I'm pretty darn certain that the uh, Department of Agriculture website, I think it's like Maryland with Pride, I think is their slogan. Uh, They they have a huge listing of different, and they they give you the dates and the times and all that Mm -hmm. sort of business. Good. But there's one in Chestertown that is, Awesome, okay. Because a lot of the Amish farmers from uh, Central Delaware show mm-hmm. up there. That would be fun to go to. Stuff. That's where I found uh, my tomato man once upon a time. Ah, okay. For the for the off season stuff.
2: Good.
1: And what about summer wines? What are you thinking about right now?
0: I mean, besides drinking summer wines. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> that too. But
0: um, I mean. I think mostly you want bright, fresh things, right? And you need things that are going to handle the vegetables that the, a lot of the year, I'm very happy to drink Chardonnay and, and white wines that spend time in Oak, but think about vanilla and zucchini or vanilla and tomato. I don't think that you want that. No, you know, you need something bright, fresh, clean, and they can actually handle that. Uh, a lot of those dishes do really well with. Um, remember a couple of the V's Vermentino, uh, that you see from Sardinia, or that you see from uh, the Tuscan coast, or in Liguria, you see it called Pigato also, or Vernaccia is uh, a grape that you see in, on the Adriatic coast in um, La Marche. And th- those two can handle a lot of what you need. And Mediterranean whites that actually can handle uh, the acid, the, the strong vegetable flavors, all of that sort of business, you know, olives and dishes they, they, they make sense with the summer Mediterranean diet. Um, and then rosés, whether it's uh, like some really plump rosato from, uh, from Italy, or um, the Provençal Rosés, there's there's a small producer uh, not that far from the Mediterranean in Provence called Chateau Rutas R-O-U-T-A-S. That is a great purchase this year. Really strawberry perfumey, but bright, very clean, dries a bone, uh, very food flexible. I would look at that. Uh, very good Bordeaux Rosé this year. Uh, one in particular is Rosé de Chevalier. Uh, so here's a way to drink from a very, very famous, very expensive wine-producing estate like on the completely cheap bottles of wine that are selling as futures for you know 250, 300 dollars from Domaine de Chevalier in Pessac. They make uh, Rosé de which means they just bled some of the pink wine off the tank to make the red more concentrated. Hmm. The Rosé de from that same estate I mean it's retailing under 20 bucks and it's a big it's a big bodied rose it's actually something like if you can't bear to drink red wine but you want something but you want meat that's like you could stretch that you can get away with that that's great I mean if it's reds right now you want something that you can have like cool cellar temp is, is certainly what you want I don't ever think of Beaujolais though for summer necessarily or Syrah I often think of Grenache Lots of Cotteron Village, um, Vaquira, Rasto. I don't look for the giant blockbuster years. I would look for 17 or 14 uh, vintages, not 18, 19, which are big, rich, powerful vintages. Um, good time of the year for uh, Loire Valley, Cap Franc. Good time of the year for Simple Temperanillo uh, or the really inexpensive, delicious uh, Garnacha from uh, Calatayud or Calenena in, uh, in Spain. So I'm probably giving you Sounds too long good. of a list. No, I'll be but memorized that's, all that's of that. That's good.
1: <laughs> that's, it's good to know, uh, you know, and also if somebody is, is having just like a simple crab cake that they're not putting a lot of crazy ingredients in, uh, because crab meat prices are coming down a little bit. So maybe we can eat some crab. What would you have with a crab cake? That's pretty simple.
0: Um, any sauce or no?
1: No, just maybe just no. a little lemon vinaigrette or something on the plate and maybe some sliced heirloom tomatoes and just, you know, maybe a little cucumber and, um, yeah, just a very simple crab cake.
0: I mean, the, the, the first wines I, I mentioned, the first grapes I mentioned, Vermentino okay, or uh, Vernaccia, I think would do really, really well. There's a very inexpensive white from Sicily called Inzolia, and Inzolia is really tasty with crab.
2: Okay.
0: If it's um, and honestly, from Alsace, uh, Pinot Blanc. Uh, again, not big money. they are really, really good producers of it uh, that are not that, that are still not priced at some crazy level. Look for uh, Pinot Blanc from uh, Gasman, G A S S M A N N, Rolly Gassman from Alsace. His stuff is brilliant teeny tiny bit off dry will totally show off the crab.
1: Okay. So I have this idea for tonight and I'm thinking about, I, I. we have Carolina gold rice, which is so absolutely delicious. And when we make it, we simply cook it in water with salt. So it, it doesn't have any other flavors other than the rice, which kind of tastes like buttered popcorn in a way. Um, so I'm thinking about taking a one of our large bowls and just doing a complete layer, a thin layer of rice on the bottom of the bowl. And then, just like gently sautéing crab meat and butter with a little bit of salt and maybe a tiny bit of fresh lime, and and laying it over that that rice, and then napping with a little bit of blanc and just sort of browning it a tiny bit. Um, I might add diced scallop to that, uh, but we'll see about that, but I'm just thinking, you know, that sort of an already like buttery popcorny flavored rice with that little bit of crab. I mean, it's a simple, simple, simple dish, but to me, that feels very, very Southern to eat, eat rice like that. And, um, and just what would you drink with something like that?
0: There's your Chardonnay dish, you know, okay. that's more light, bright uh, Chardonnay. That might be more Chablis uh, okay. than it is a West Coaster. Or if it's a West Coaster, it's from Oregon or something along those lines. But I think you want uh, light, bright. And if not that, uh, maybe Sancerre. I I would think that chalky minerality would be nice to have with that as as a a high note.
1: I feel like the pairing with that dish is going to be extremely significant. You know, in order to make that dish really special, if you do drink wine or enjoy wine, you know, that pairing I think is... I mean it's like to me an example of a, a, a dish that might be so simple but product high quality product driven and and the exe- execution of the cooking being the driving aspect as well that that having that re, you know like refreshing perfect wine with it will just make the dish what it should be or what it, all that's, it can be
0: You know that's a, that it's music and dancing right Right and the each is not the same without the other So and I, I think agree. It's time for us to move on to music and dancing and, uh, <laughs> and, and wrap this program. All so
2: right.
0: you can uh, download this or any other one of our podcasts by going to the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and there's a full menu of programs there. Uh, if you want to correspond with us, uh, email is the best way. ForemanWolf at WIPR.org is the address. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media.
1: You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf.
0: And my Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And we thank you for listening.
1: Happy Sunday.